Welcome back, everybody, to the Drink and Learn podcast. I am drinks historian Elizabeth Pierce. And I'm your captain, Abigail Cullen. <laughs> Steering us. I say captain because, um, because I'm feeling kind of yacht, yacht rocky. Well, I was going to say, I'm you're going to steer us through the icy waters of <laughs> blender drinks and <laughs> yacht rock Ooh, drinks. <laughs> you think that maybe it's over. Yes, it's going to be so smooth. This episode is going to be so smooth. Yes. Um, <laughs> if you haven't figured it out already, it's going to be frozen everythings um, for, you know what, Abigail? I think we actually have a few listeners in the Southern Hemisphere. So ah. um, apologies that uh, the seasonality of the these episodes has been... Um, only focused on the Northern Hemisphere and that we have not taken into account that um, right now you might not want a blender drink, um, that you have enough ice in your life <laughs> uh, outside. Uh, oh, but, but, may, but maybe... But, but, yep. but, but do you not know the theme of the Jimmy Buffett classic boat drinks that is all about how... Uh, it's 20 degrees and the hockey game's on. Nobody cares. They're far way too gone screaming boat drinks. Something to keep them warm. I, yeah, baby. All right. This is when you this is, oh, this cream, is why people ice eat cream. ice cream in the winter. Right. I love ice cream in the winter. I was just about to say that. I am one of those people. I eat more ice cream in the winter than I do in the summer. That's when I crave it. And, well, you know, and, and if it is winter where you are, let, let me take you on a tropical paradise journey even if it's just from your freezer to your liquor cabinet to your to your blender. Um, so if you would like to hit pause, everybody, and cue up whatever, um, whatever music speaks to you uh, with this theme, and that can be like classic Yacht Rock Boat um, 70s, 80s. Uh, it could perhaps I'm, I'm be. I'm getting my Steely Dan album out. Could perhaps even, even though this is not a tiki episode, uh, maybe a little Hawaiian, a little ukulele, Ooh. if that makes you feel oh, beachy. The tropicales. Yes, and then there's oh, always, you goodness. know, this classic Jimmy Buffett, and you can. That's an easy. That's an easy Spotify radio station. <laughs> so mm-hmm. probably you don't even have to finish typing. After Jimmy or Buff, then, then it'll come up. Uh, so if you want to hit pause, go do that and then come back. And um, we are really excited to help you kick off your summer, even though summer technically kicked off last week, but whatever. Um, okay, so I asked Abigail if we could do this, uh, do, do blender drinks, because... I learned some really cool stuff about the blender that I'm super excited about. (laughs) And uh, so there's obviously lots of info on the internet about the blender, but um, I love that there is blenderadvisor.com and uh, blendersonline.com. So there's a lot of people who are really excited about blenders. A lot of them have a lot of, review, you know, reviewy things kind of say, to say. But um, so the blender emerges as a thing starting in like 
1919-1920 because prohibition and it was designed to make malted milkshakes at soda fountains so everybody Mm. is having to pivot (laughs) as many unfortunately bartenders are having to do today and they're like okay well we can serve uh, soda fountains can stay open. Of course, I'm a big fan of the soda fountains that were really um, serving liquor uh, in the coffee cups or in the... You know what? I wonder, surely they were serving boozy milkshakes, right? Like if you tipped the soda jerk or you knew the right soda fountain to go to. I don't I don't see why not. Although the soda jerk was the... You know, if if you didn't go to Europe to become a bartender during Prohibition... You stayed behind and you kind of became a soda jerk. And they took great pride in the concoctions that they made up that did not have any alcohol. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, why not? I'm Sh- sure I would. Surely. At least I bet in New Orleans there was somebody. I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go search the archives and see if um, uh, there is an arrest in at a soda fountain. I bet there was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So... It's a Polish-American, Mr. Uh, Stephen Poplowski, Poplowski uh, he, who, who kind of starts off with creating Blender. He um, eventually partners with this guy, Fred Osius, who um, is one of the founders of the Hamilton Beach Company. And so I mentioned that because, you know, like they're still around. And mm-hmm. Mr. Fred Osius... Uh, needs some backing, and he reaches out to this guy named Fred Waring. Okay, y'all, Fred Waring, most people know because of the Waring Blender, a um, company that I think is still around. I mean, I feel like you can buy, I'm going to see, let's Waring Blender. It's the one thing I didn't look up. Um, so this is why I knew Fred Waring, because of the Waring Blender. Um, yes, wearing commercial products, but Fred Waring also, um, had a, had a big band, Fred Waring and the Pennsylvanians. And if you search YouTube, there is a lot of Fred Waring and the Pennsylvanians. And he had a TV show on CBS from 1949 to 1954, the Fred Waring show. And YouTube is full of lots of Fred Waring um, performances and discography. And if you are a fan of music from that time, there's a whole lot of America. (laughs) A whole lot of America. It's like tribute to America, salute to America. There's also a lot of um, uh, hymns. um, And then there's also like Cole Porter and stuff like that. But um, anyway, before Fred Waring got on TV, he still had a big band. Um, so he had money. And um, this guy, Fred Osius, and it's unclear how he knew that Fred Waring was interested in, like, investing. Because I would not put big band leader together with, um, what is it in Silicon Valley? Who's like, there? like, if you're the investor, but are you called that? But you're called something else. Like, you're the, not unicorn. That's what do you know what it's called, yeah. Abigail? Like, is it investor? I feel like there's some other word. The, the unicorn investor, yeah. The yeah. angel investor, angel investor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, anyway, um, yes, Fred Waring was that. If he was alive now, that's 
he would live in Silicon, or he would be hooked up with the Silicon Valley people. So Fred, Os- um, Fred Osseus is like, hey, Mr. Waring, do you have some money? So he, um, Fred Waring takes up the mantle, and apparently there were um, still some issues with the design of the blender. This is in, like, this is post-prohibition, um, mid-1930s. So Fred Waring dumped Fred Osseus, and he had the blender redesigned, uh, as his own blender in 1937, and thus was born. It was originally called the Miracle Mixer, but then he changed it to the Blender. And we can thank uh, uh, Fred Waring and his capital. And also, I kind of feel like he probably might have mentioned more than once on his TV show about how awesome Waring blenders are, blenders in general. Um, and mm-hmm. the last cool, uh, cool fact about the Waring blender is that Dr. Jonas Salk used it while developing the vaccine for polio. Oh, mm. wow. So if you it, feel motivated to uh, do good with your blender, you don't have to just make a margarita. You can apparently make a vaccine. Maybe should get, <laughs> we should all get on that. A different vaccine. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, so there you go. Drop that blender factoid while you're socially distancing and getting a little tipsy. What can we get tipsy on? What are you going to mix up in your blender? What you got going on? Oh, well, you know, one of the first things I made was a kind of mint limoncello watermelon thing. And it was just like an experiment with like throwing a whole bunch of stuff. And I, of course, of course, like pulverized the mint, which, uh, you know, probably balanced out the sweetness. I probably made it too sweet and it was probably a little bitter. And it was like all these little bits of mint. But I thought it was kind of pretty the way I blended it the first time I ever did that. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking about that because in Washington State here, we we produce more mint than any other state in the um, in the nation. And that makes me think of like mojitos, frozen mm-hmm. mojitos, mm-hmm. frozen old Cubans, you know, like putting some champagne on top, um, just using a lot of mint and um you have to be careful not using too much because then it just turns into green sludge um, but if you put just the right amount in at the end it kind of pulverizes and blasts the mint um in a way that is uh, makes your drink all speckled and pretty so it doesn't they get small enough so that you're not constantly like i got yes. mint yeah yeah i don't know how i did it <laughs> it only worked that one time. I don't. Maybe I don't recommend. It. <laughs> well, could you infuse some simple syrup with the mint? Absolutely. Would, would that be yeah. minty that, enough? That, that's what we do, especially for like, um, like uh, large scale mint juleps. Uh, it is very easy to infuse your mint um, in simple syrup, uh, and and then making a beautiful kind of bright mint simple and then just using a lot of fresh mint for the garnish mm-hmm. sticking out of the glass so you got it in your nose mint anyway is that yeah. big bouquet yeah. kind of in your nose as you lean in and because you know a frozen drink is going to be a drink that you're going to put a straw in mm-hmm. so your garnish you should also kind of think about your garnish make your garnish kind of cool uh and if that's mint kind of in your face i like to put frozen grapes um 
on my frozen drinks as well. They're really kind of tasty for those really hot days. Um, we, so I got into frozen drinks um, when I got my hands on a daiquiri machine. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who uh, don't live in New Orleans, a daiquiri machine is what we call a frozen drink machine. It doesn't mean we only make daiquiris in them. Daiquiris, we've discussed this on another program. In New Orleans, the term daiquiri kind of means any drink that's frozen. Y'all might call them slushies or frosés or whatever, but we call them daiquiris in New Orleans, and that just means anything that's frozen. Alcoholic. So, alcoholic. Yeah. So my daiquiri machine uh, at Comparela Pen had two hoppers, and um, if anyone out there is listening and running a bar and you want a frozen drink machine, um, ask your reps. Tell your reps you're interested in a frozen drink machine because um, if you kind of make a promise to use their product for maybe like a year in that machine, they might be able to find the funds to get you one for your bar. And the only other thing you need is space and the power and the electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, Pro tip. But it is, it, is, it is a great, if you have a bar, it is a great way to kind of do a batch cocktail um, that, that you could serve really, really quickly. And it's, you know, it's really popular, particularly in the summertime. Those are the pros. The cons are you got to clean them every day. And you got to come up with really good recipes to use. And if you make a mistake, you've kind of ruined like a giant batch that costs a lot of money. Yeah. So there are ways that you can, because not every, there's not like a, a frozen drink cachet of recipes anywhere that I've seen. And every machine is kind of different. Different brands kind of have a different vibe, different size hoppers, I've noticed. And I certainly wouldn't use, like, the machine's recipe books because I'm pretty sure they're outfitted for, like, places you'd see on Bourbon Street. So it's mm-hmm. like, add, you know, high fructose corn syrup, blue mix number three, <laughs> buy the gallon. <laughs> add green alcohol, and boom, you're ready to go. But of course, Ab- that's not what I would put in my machine. Abigail, but that's the thing. I, we, she and I were talking, okay, Abigail and I were talking before I pressed record and I told her I just got a new blender and oh, it's the Ninja, some, it's whatever, it's the Ninja blender that's for sale at Costco right now. Um, so I don't know like what number it is, a thousand, twelve hundred power or something. I don't know. Um, but the point is it came with a recipe book and uh, it is full of use sour mix and like it does not assume that you are going to use real ingredients so it isn't just the um the bourbon street um daiquiri power house <laughs> that's uh pouring in its grain alcohol and red dye number or whatever um it's also like it's also the presumption is if you're going to make uh, use your blender to make drinks at home that you're going to use stuff that doesn't taste very good. And yeah, I see, I don't know why they always, it's such the easy way out that these companies take. And I understand <clears throat> because it's in their best interest to sell you a product that said, no, look, it's easy. Don't put in the effort, extra effort of making simple syrup and squeezing fresh lime juice. Just buy sour mix. You know, it's, it's in their best interest 
if you're going to use this product a lot and they want you to use it a lot because then it will break and you'll have to buy another one. <laughs> you know? um, they, I don't, I, it's just, it's in their best interest to make it easy. But I don't, I guess you and I come from a kind of a different philosophy. Why would they give me recipes that make their product look like it makes terrible drinks when you can make much better drinks? And that's, that's where we come in. That's where, that's where my mission my my need for to serve the community is coming from like i this is why i'm in this industry is to let you guys know that you can have good drinks you can have healthy healthy drinks that are better quality that taste good that maybe it's a little bit more work but it's so worth the effort and you can have nice things and you can have more sustainable a sustainable kind of relationship with your consumerism. <laughs> the, f- the first drink that I think that we should talk about with, um, it, with, with including div- uh, advice, because it's so simple, is the daiquiri. And, I th- and one of the reasons that um, frozen daiquiri, like in New Orleans, daiquiri just means frozen drink, um, is connected with why the blender becomes why blender drinks become so popular in the United States um, and not just because of prohibition but or sorry not just in the not just because of like milkshakes or you know or whatever but during prohibition a lot of people went to Cuba because Cuba was like right there and they had daiquiris and of course classic daiquiri served uh, in a coupe glass is just rum, sugar, and lime. And if you don't want to know more about the daiquiri, then you should listen to our daiquiri episode, which is <laughs> er- early days. But in addition to um, uh, having a daiquiri that way, the frozen daiquiri really took off, and and all of its like modifications and iterations. Cuba's hot, right? So it totally makes sense that they would have wanted to have a variety of icy drinks. But using a blender is something that became very common and very popular in Cuba. And it it would make sense that one of the earliest um, recipe books for for blender drinks is in 1952. And that is when you get your first frozen daiquiri and frozen strawberry daiquiri. Um, so because that is such a simple recipe, um, what advice do you have for people who are, um, who maybe have a good classic daiquiri recipe, but they want to figure out the best way to freeze it, both with and without fruit? Yes, the... The, um, the issue when it comes to blending is the dilution and all the extra ice and water you're adding to a drink. If you were to just take a classic daiquiri recipe and then put it in a blender with ice, you're going to lose so much flavor. It's just going to taste like a big kind of snowball uh, with very little flavor. You want to really kind of um, make that flavor, that lime and that rum flavor pop. And the best way to do that is to up the sugar because your sugar acts as a translator and amplifier of flavor. So any recipe that has like a classic recipe that has sugar in it, if you're adding it to a blender, you should absolutely double the sugar. Mm-hmm. Start there and see how it tastes. Um, you should also watch your ice. Uh, it's, every blender is different. We've, uh, we've kind of run into this before. 
Um, in general, I take the, the size of the cup that I'm going to use and I fill that with ice and then I put that in the blender and that kind of just gives you a sense of, of how much ice you should use. Um, and then it's also how you start the blender. Start the blender on the low setting and then kind of ramp it up. Um, you also want to make sure that your liquids are on the bottom by the blades so it can be mixed and it doesn't get stuck on the ice if the ice is on the bottom. Um, mm -hmm. Smaller ice pieces work better too. If you have access to like crushed ice versus cubed ice, go ahead and use that crushed ice in the blender and like blend it like last minute really quick. And then that will um, hopefully um, keep your drink from becoming over diluted as well. And this is where fruit can actually be super, super helpful as well. Add frozen fruit. If you're going to have a, uh, if you want to have like a strawberry daiquiri, this is a great opportunity. Throw some chunks of frozen strawberry fruit or use uh, strawberry puree. Um, the great thing about that is that it adds body to the drink. Um, a lot of times if you are just, uh, like for example, frosé is very popular, but if you just freeze rosé with simple syrup, it, it has this really weird consistency that melts very quickly mm -hmm. and just becomes a sweet pink mess. But if you add frozen strawberries to rosé and, uh, and a little bit of simple syrup, uh, double the amount that you would normally use in a cocktail and ice, all of a sudden you've got a full body, beautiful drink. And that can happen with, um, uh, with daiquiris as well. Plus there's a very specific technique that they use in Cuba to mix daiquiris in the blender in that they kind of add the sugar and the rum as they're blending. Mm. Um, yeah. If you are, if you do happen to be in New Orleans when you plan a trip to New Orleans, carve out time to go to Manolito. It's a Cuban bar in the French Quarter, and they make their daiquiris in that Cuban style where they are mixing in the sugar and the rum as they're blending. Uh, and they also use, um, they don't use simple syrup. They use, like, powdered sugar or granulated sugar as well. That is a technique that, that the Cubans kind of swear by. Um, so... Uh, I don't know. And I would try to find Pam and interview her. Wasn't she head spinner for Earl during the um, during the the World Fair, which started yes, the whole daiquiri right. craze in New Orleans? Um, yeah, mean, Abigail is referring to Pam Fortner, who is one of the. Well, actually, now she is only the owner since Earl has passed away of um, Tropical Isle, which is best known for. Um, the hand grenade, a, a drink for which the recipe remains in secret, um, which is, which <laughs> I don't is, I think it's so secret. I think it's, it's, it's trademarked. Yeah. Oh, right. If you try to make it and not give them money, they will sue you. Yeah. They, and they will totally <laughs> sue you. Um, but they don't, ha but they don't give out the recipe. It's, it's not like you can Google it and, and that they have a, acknowledged what it is but i know chris mm -hmm. hannah like figured it out for some tales of the cocktail thing um i say <laughs> it's midori and disappointment um but that's just yeah i'm not a big fan of the hand grenade <laughs> um it never ends well I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that uh but anyway the, the uh, uh, oh, wait 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 one but, other but, okay oh sorry uh, i did want to before um before i forget i did want to ask you 
because um, regarding the fruit, um, I made, well, this might be the problem. I was making, trying to make a non-alcoholic, um, like, riff on a margarita and used fruit but Lee was like, the texture on this, he's like, it's closer to smoothie than, mm. than, so maybe it was just too much fruit, like start off with some what fruit. What kind of and fruit then, were you using? Uh, mixed berries. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a, a non-alcoholic margarita with fruit is essentially a, a smoothie. smoothie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like I used I used I added some I had some bitters milk right I had I had yeah it didn't have any dairy like I also put some bitters and I put um what other thing oh I used agave syrup so it would taste a little like not just simple but yeah Mm -hmm. I guess if I had added the tequila then maybe it would it's difficult I I think it would be closer yeah that's more like a smoothie but if you're just doing like a frozen limeade Mm -hmm. you know. And this is where you could you can use if you do want a shortcut and you want to make like a frozen a frozen drink that has like a lot of pow. Um, I I remember those those frozen juice concentrates we used to get as a kid that I'd mix with water to like make our own orange juice. Like limeade. Like minute lime minute made. Yeah. yeah. Minute made. Yeah. I actually because we're near Hawaii, there's all these like Hawaiian flavored ones with like guava and pineapple and and, and coconut, coconut? No, I didn't really see any coconut. They're all like, they're all like really like beautiful fruit flavors from mm-hmm. Hawaii. And I've been using them and like putting a scoop of like concentrated that co- just to mm-hmm. concentrate mm-hmm. in with some ice, which is your your you know your dilution, and then mixing that with um, booze, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> booze. And there's a little shortcut. I mean, that's real fruit juice concentrate. Yeah. And, um, and it's already kind of frozen, which helps with the, with the texture of right. everything. If, if you want to get super scientific about this, there is a, a tool you could buy. Mm-hmm. It's called a, a Bricks Refractometer. And this is a, a kind of a gravity scale that measures the sugar in your liquid. Mm-hmm. And it has to be over a certain amount to, to freeze. And this is something like pastry chefs use a lot mm-hmm. when they're cooking. You could buy one online for like uh, 40 bucks yeah. um, and it'll come with instructions on how to use it. And basically you would put like a drop of your solution on there and you'll be able to see if it if it's going to freeze. Um, uh, and that is a good tool to use if you're like batching a batch and you're just going to add um uh, but that you're going to freeze and then kind of like scoop out later in the blender to like blend, you know, that would be a good tool to have. Um, uh, it's kind of like, it's kind of like you're making the batch for sorbet or ice cream and mm-hmm. you want, you're, you're going to want to make sure it freezes. So this is a tool you could use. A lot of, a lot of people who make frozen drinks use this tool. I don't, um, I, it's, a little too scientific for me <laughs> and I don't have the patience for it and the mathematical mind for it. But if you do, that would be a great tool to have to like play with and, and, um, and, 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 and get, get, get your frozen drink on, get your boat drinks on. Um, okay. So that is the, we'll call that the fruit. All right. So we've covered fruit category. You, uh, we got a little shout out for Frosé 
And um, hearkening back to the early days of the blender in the, um, in the soda fountains, um, there's the other category, which is like the ice cream creamy drinks. And when, I think, when I think of those... The first yeah. word that comes to my mind is mudslide. And um, just so everybody knows, um, the mudslide was, number one, not invented in the United States. Number two, not invented in the 80s, even though that is, I feel like, when mudslides were hit their, hit their peak. It's like mudslides and yeah. Miami Vice. Um, yeah. The mudslide it was apparently invented in the 1950s. In the Grand Cayman Islands, um, at a bar ah. called the Rec Bar and Grill. So it's very like to me that's totally fifties soda jerk, you know, wholesome except yeah. of course except plus vodka. Um, and originally it was like all real ingredients, right? Ice cream, Kahlua, Bailey's vodka. But now I think if you hit TGI Fridays or Applebee's, well, I guess nobody's really going any of those places right now but um once COVID is over and we all return to the places where you can buy an enormous drink in a cup um or frozen drink in a goblet that once again you're getting some kind of or like can you buy mix can't you buy mixes now I feel like um I feel like I have been to my friend Lisa Picconi's house and she bought like mudslide in a pouch and then it was yeah. like just add I'm ice sure, or something. I'm sure. Know. I'm sure it exists. That and 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 what that became so popular from the Grand Cayman Islands. Other islands have invented their own, including the bushwhacker mm. from um, the Virgin Islands, uh, which is like has rum and coconut in it too. Mm-hmm. But also like so much ice cream, so much cream. And when I recently went, recently in the last couple of years went to the Caribbean, I was shocked to see that this is still kind of like the one drink that people come away with when they visit the Caribbean islands. They come away with these like chocolatey coffee ice cream drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't, I feel like they're so heavy. Like it's so hot there. <laughs> I'm like, why aren't you guys <laughs> lightening this up and like having something nice? I really love a painkiller too, which is a classic tiki mm-hmm. smoothie drink that is basically it's a I think it's a um, uh, pina colada, but with orange juice too. So it's so it's a little bit to me a little bit like lighter because uh, of the citrus. Because of this, because of the citrus. The citrus, the citrus yeah, helps, yeah. It up a bit. yeah, yeah, more more citrus lightens it up. But yeah, all of these and and to me this is very like TGI Friday, like their dessert menu that has a ton of whipped cream and stuff on it, mm-hmm. and it's all a bit a bit. A bit much. Yeah, there's a pack you can get from Fat Tuesday if you want to make a classic Fat Tuesday mudslide daiquiri or mm. a bushwalker, bushwhacker daiquiri. They call them daiquiris on FatTuesday.com. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, That's funny. you should never begin, a recipe should never begin with take your packet, like open your, <laughs> your packet, unless it's an MRE. Um, <laughs> but it's, I... Uh, I, what it, it, I Yeah. Wait, oh, well, no, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was going to, what I was going to say is, um, first of all, yes, they are really heavy. But second, they are also delicious because yeah. when I, I have a personal um, ice cream, well, it's, I guess it doesn't have to be ice cream. It could be just made with like whole, whole cream and cre- ice. Yeah, cream yeah. and ice. Um, 
which is a Brandy Alexander. And that was the very first drink that I drank with my mother, um, not legally, but in front of her at the Eola Hotel in Natchez, Mississippi, the summer before I went off to college. So I was 17, drinking age was 18 back then. But what I guess because I was with my mom, it was okay in the bar. <laughs> the times were different then in the 1980s. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. I had a Brandy Alexander. And oh my, like that's the first drink you want to like drink when you're learning how to drink, right? Like, yeah. Big- that was totally one of my first drinks too. But let me tell you in the North, a Brandy Alexander was a creamy sweet drink, but it was not frozen. And I learned that lesson right quick when I was in the hole making drinks at commander's palace and someone ordered a brandy alexander and i was like "Ooh, it's the original chocolatini and all of a sudden i was thrust a bowl of ice cream in my face and i'm like what's this for and he's like it's for the brandy alexander you got to make it in the blender and i'm like i gotta do what <laughs> i was like no no and they were like, yeah. Okay, wait. So like, how oh, no. how did you make it? How did you learn to make it? And then, ooh, what's the Commander's Palace recipe? What's the what? What's oh. the Commander's Palace recipe? Oh, so it's so it's a it's a pretty simple recipe. It's just like you know, um, a pink squirrel or a uh, grasshopper. It's creme it's creme de cacao and um, and amaretto. No, I'm sorry. It's brandy. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm, confusing my drinks now because <laughs> we were on like Bushwhacker and all that other stuff we were mm-hmm. with Amaretto. Uh, brandy Alexander is just creme de cacao, brandy, and cream. It's three ingredient drink served up. Uh, it's a super creamy, sweet drink. My personal specs I do is I do like a full ounce and a half of brandy, a full ounce and a half of creme de cacao, mm-hmm. and then about an ounce of cream. I really kind of like that brandy and that chocolate to still come through. So you, and but you pe- serve it on the rocks or you serve it? Ha- no, I serve it, serve it up. Okay. Serve it up. All right. In, in a coupe or a martini glass. Okay. If I, and when people order a chocolate martini, mm-hmm. that's what I make them. Except I drizzle chocolate on the inside of the glass. Oh, and then do you tell them but they're drinking, wait, then do you tell them they're drinking brandy? Like later after they're like, this is amazing. Some, Yeah. And you're like, haha. I know, I feel bad. I feel like I'm being a, a, a really jerk bartender right yeah. now. I feel like I'm admitting to being a jerk stuff. But oh. I still think that's the best recipe for a chocolatini is a, is a Brandy Alexander. Well, it's your recipe. Um, it's your recipe. They didn't call, they yeah. didn't say chocolatini and this is how I want it. I mean, I know, I'm yeah. being on your side. But also, I love a Brandy. But, but wait, but get back to Commander's oh, Palace so because then, then you to, had ice cream and a blender. Yes. Yes. So it's ice cream blender i don't even think i put any ice in it i was in such a panic state i was like what what i'm supposed to make this so i think i i think i probably did at least two ounces of the creme de cacao maybe three and then like an (laughs) ounce of brandy or two ounces of brandy because i was like oh my god all that all that ice cream is gonna get lost we need more creme de cacao um uh yeah and i don't i don't remember maybe i added a little tiny scoop of ice um, just to kind of make it a little bit more icy. And then, yeah, it was served, like, up in a Pilsner glass with, like, I think with whipped cream um, or something on it. So I that, don't know. I don't know because I kind of blacked out. That's what I, <laughs> what I was going to ask you. It was a you. very difficult time. That, For, uh, that, like, I spent, like, two months bartending at Commander's Palace, and I cried 
after every shift. Oh, Everybody hated me. I was the worst bartender. I hated everything I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. And I, I came in like with all this like classic douche, jerky bartender knowledge and then had to work in this high pressure situation in a hole in a kitchen, interior kitchen where nobody saw me, but I still had to wear tuxedo pants and a bow tie and a vest and a very unflattering button down shirt <laughs> and a name tag. And it was all like, I was like simultaneously horrified and terrified. And it was, it's, it's a, not a, not a time in my life. I like to revisit. So what were you doing there? <laughs> Bartending. No, but I mean, okay. I don't, We've been friends a really long time, and I don't know that stint in your life. So why were you there? Was this while you were waiting for Sobu to open? Yes. Yes. There was, of course, delays getting Sobu to open, and I had already moved to New Orleans, and I was broke, and I was making no money. And I remember, like, going to my first USBG meeting and introducing myself and then being like, and so my project's been delayed, and I would really love if anyone has some shifts I could pick up. Mm-hmm. And you know who saved my life? Kirk Estoffanol came up to me and said, Abigail, I have a sh- cocktail waitress shift at Belloc available. And I don't know if you'd be willing to do that. And I said, I would love to be your cocktail waitress. If you don't mind, I don't look like a cocktail waitress. And he laughed at me and was like, no, no, you're going to be fine. <laughs> you're going to be fine. So I was a cocktail server at Belloc and that allowed me to pay my rent in New Orleans for a couple of months Wait, because but then but the when did you, but when did you go to uh, Commander's Palace well I was at Commander's Palace the same time but this oh. is summer season right yeah so they don't schedule you if you're if you're like low man on the totem pole you do not get scheduled so I would get called in I would eat family meal and then they would cut me and I'd go home making no money <laughs> oh no okay well oh, yeah um well, that's very interesting uh, because it's always fun to learn something new about your friends' professional paths, uh, especially. Well, it, it, I mean, I think the best part about it was it very quickly educated me about how New Orleans people drink. Like, I saw a crown in the well, and I was like, what is this doing here? I didn't know <laughs> that everybody drank yes. crown. I was like, oh, well, that's why it's in the well. Holy moly. Yeah. So many crown and coke, so many crown and water. Lee, so many crown and Lee says it's the, it's the whiskey for every Cajun wedding. And it yeah. is. No. All the it's ones I've great. been to anyway. It's, it's their Canadian roots, right? Mm-hmm. Cause because they're Acadian. No. I, it's beca- <laughs> I so it's because of. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt why they drink this it's Canadian It's because whiskey. of Prohibition and World War II and the, all, the only good whiskey you could get was from Canada. I think that that's like, yeah. it got cemented in yeah. the 50s. But down here, we drink what our parents drank. So it wasn't like people were like, oh, screw you, dad. I'm not drinking what you drank, you know, or whatever. Oh, that's totally what we did. Although my my mother did that because (laughs) she does not drink. My grandfather drank Crown and she drinks Jack Daniels. Um, But yeah, Crown, Crown, that's really funny that you didn't know that. What else was surprising as we now talk about New Orleans drinking habits and not frozen drinks, but sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the frozen drink thing was something I had to get used to. Like, mm-hmm. I remember when we were building out the bar at Sobu, and then and I was like, what's this shelf for? And they are like, for your blender. And I'm like, I have to keep a blender behind the bar? <laughs> like, I was really panicky about that 
because blender drinks are really, really hard and you cannot get consistency. That's why mm-hmm. as soon as I could, I was, I was ha- so happy to get a frozen drink machine because it guarantees consistency. And that is an, every bartender's worst nightmare. When you work at, and you want to create consistently good drinks, um, uh, you want ev- everything I do behind the bar is designed to promote consistency. So it doesn't matter if I'm making the drink or one of my other bartenders is making a drink, you're getting the same delicious, perfect, beautiful drink. And you could do that in a frozen machine it's guaranteed to be perfect every pull unless the machine is malfunctioning or unless somebody messed up the batch. Uh, You can't do that with a blender because every piece of ice is different. Every ice scoop is different. Every, the way people kind of eyeball or turn on the machine is different. And, and while that's fine for home use and that's exciting for home use because you could kind of do whatever you want uh, per drink as a bartender, it's like terrifying to have that kind of unknown. I have, um, so that's where I'm that's where I'm coming from and there's a lot of unknown and I think if New Orleans bartending taught me anything it's about how there's so much unknown and people are going to come from all over the world with their different likes and expectations Mm -hmm. and you know with your hospitality you have to meet it and that's what Commander's Palace taught me a lot too is that you know it's all about the experience of the customer and creating this beautiful experience and um, and you know going the extra mile to put this beautiful scoop of ice cream in this gorgeous drink that I have since come to love. And now I kind of like, I miss, I miss people wanting to, like frozen drinks for dessert. <laughs> I have two, th- frozen ice cream drinks for dessert. I have two <laughs> things to say about your, uh, remarks about consistency of, um, individual blenders. The first is, um, I, I don't mean, oh, so I we, I mentioned everybody should go back and listen to the daiquiri episode, but you should also go back and listen to the margarita episode to learn that the reason that the frozen margarita machine gets created is because um, Mariano Martinez, who was a restaurant owner in Dallas in the 1970s, um, all of his bartenders were making frozen margaritas in blenders and a customer came up and complained because the second round of margaritas that they got was not as good as the first. Perhaps because it was a different bartender, perhaps because that all the bartenders were in the weeds because everybody wanted frozen margaritas, quality was going down, you know, or whatever. And he was like, oh, I need to find a way to have consistency. All right, so number mm-hmm. one. But number two... Um, in, um, on the positive side of the, it's up to the bartender, there is a bar in Milwaukee, Wisconsin called Bryant's, which several years ago, David Wondrich said was the best bar in America. And I happened to read whatever article it was that, where he named it, named it that, and happened to be going to Milwaukee the next year. So, um... I, we, we, anyway, we went to Bryant's and Bryant's is known for its blender drinks. Um, in, in keeping in, (laughs) in the theme of if it's cold, people will want to eat ice cream. Um, I thought that it was really interesting that this, uh, this Milwaukee bar was known for, and, and there were so many blenders and I don't remember there being a, um, a slushy machine 
or daiquiri machine. There might have there might have been, but um, th- basically their blenders were like their shakers, and they were making so many different blender drinks. Um, and I guess that's where, um, if you were the manager of that place, that would be both challenging but also kind of fun to make sure that you had consistency across all of these recipes and all of these people. But it was oh, really yeah. cool to see yeah. to see all the different drinks. I had that a banana is, daiquiri. It was really, really cool. good. Oh, yeah. Banana daiquiri. Yeah. They're my favorite. Sometimes it snows in April. There's um, a Prince song that mentions drinking a banana, banana daiquiri. daiquiri. Um, wait, so did you answer? <clears throat> I can't remember. Did you answer about tips? No, you didn't. Tips for the ice cream drinks. Oh, um, you know, use, well, if you're using ice cream, really, you kind of don't have to use ice uh, or or very, very little. Um, You want to kind of make sure that that ice cream is nice and cold. Mm -hmm. And then your your loosening agent is is the booze um, and maybe even like a little milk. But um, but yeah, you kind of don't need to use ice. And then it's like it is like a super boozy milkshake. Which is uh, uh, not terrible. I just made like a version of a root beer float milkshake mm. where I had like some creme fraiche ice cream and put some like spice liqueur in it and bourbon and then floated some root beer on top. Mm-hmm. Um, that came out that came out pretty well. I like I like I like playing around because I love soda fountain drinks and I love root beer floats and chocolate floats and coke floats and stuff like that frozen cokes was like a big thing that we used to love in when i was a kid in atlanta georgia driving through the dairy barn and beg my mom for a frozen coke and then have like the the straw that had the spoon at the end yeah you could like scoop it i was also like a big frosty girl love love dipping my french fries and frosty and oh i had friends here in seattle who made french fry ice cream and it was so good. And really? I was like, oh, my God, I want to do, like, French fry ice cream milkshake with, like, a shot on the side that tastes like a Frosty. <laughs> so I just, I got a little crazy about, <laughs> like, oh, how good would that be? Basically, you take French fries and you soak them in milk. And mm-hmm. then you use that milk to make ice cream. And that's French fry flavored ice cream. I'll have to think about that. Um. Yeah, I know. It sounds weird. But, you know, he's JJ at Larathon is a genius here in Seattle. I highly recommend it if you are in town. So, and, um, you know, the um, you can buy by you. I mean, like people in normal people, <laughs> people who do not necessarily work in bars have access to soda syrups. So, like, I, I've seen this at Rouse's, maybe that's our grocery store. Or that's one of them. Um, I've seen root beer syrup, like where you oh, can yeah. make your own root beer. So if you wanted to make a root beer um, milkshake, you could take a little bit of that. And then you could also still pour the root beer on top. So you get that like fizziness. But mm-hmm. if you were trying to like minimize the amount of liquid that you're adding... You could, or you wanted to beef up the root beer flavor, 
without yeah. adding, without diluting your... Um, sure. Yeah, you can get syrups. And, you know, it, root beer is based on a, on a, on, you know, on a bark, on a mm, natural sa- product. Yeah, sarsaparilla, birch, and there's a lot of, like, natural flavorings you can get to get that. I mean, that's what all those, those soda jerks did, you know, mm-hmm. and using, like, things like acid phosphate. There is, um, what is that great book? If you want to know oh, more fix about the pumps. soda jerks. Yeah, Fix the Pumps. Darcy O'Neill, Canadian. Mm-hmm. Happy Canada Day. It was Happy Canada Day yesterday. Uh, Happy Canada Day, Darcy. Uh, yes, Fix the Pumps is a great book. If you're looking for more uh, kind of nerdy scientific kind of stuff about putting together all these acid phosphates and stuff that you would use in a soda fountain. And then, you know, a lot of bartenders use that book as a template for how to build um, how to build better frozen cocktails. Build a better mudslide, as it were. <laughs> build that mudslide back up. <laughs> so this, yeah. this has like been, I had no idea where this would go, but it's like way, even way better than I thought it would. And I've been very inspired to, um, especially now that I have a good blender. Our last blender was sad. And it yeah. really just like spun the ice around. <laughs> without like chipping at it really yeah so you'd always end up with these big chunks um so i have been newly inspired to make more frozy things um make a frozen grasshopper yeah yeah do some like class those classic creamy drinks like pink squirrels Mm -hmm. and and brandy alexander's and grasshoppers make make for they're almost like tailor-made for those those creamy drinks. You don't have to get a packet from TGI Fridays. No packets. Um, no. So this, uh, I hope, inspires all of you to um, get out there and make some frozen drinks. I will pester Abigail for uh, when, we fin- when I press stop to um, have advice for making your a mint simple syrup or I guess any herby simple syrup really more about Mm -hmm. um, like proportions and how long to let it sit or whatever and second if there's any um, like one or two recipes that you want to share from what we talked about today to give people kind of a jumping off uh, place Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll definitely include those in the show notes and I want to let everybody know that Abigail and I are going to take a little hiatus for the summer. Um, it won't be a total hiatus because during part of the time, we're going to record a few episodes to like have them in the bag so that we aren't um, frantically scheduling a, <laughs> a phone call so that something can get posted and like two days uh but the theme for the next season is um revelers questions so whenever anybody joins the drink and learn revelers they have to answer um uh some questions like how did you hear about the drink and learn podcast or what's your favorite episode but one of the questions that we ask is is there anything you would like to see us cover so I have a big, long list, and it's, it's all over. Um, it's like women behind the bar. It's Pisco. It's, um, it, it, it's, it's such a wide variety, so it's, um, it will seem grab-baggy, but in fact, um, 
there is an order because it's coming from requests from from y'all. And uh, now that you know this, if there's anybody out there who has not joined the Revelers um, and would like to submit a a podcast episode request you can uh please do so join the revelers and i will consider your or we will consider your requests um so i yeah i guess that's that's the big news and in the meantime um i want to hear all i want to hear the sound of blenders uniting us across the country (laughs) and the world the sweet, sweet sound of... (laughs) (laughs) Does anyone else's dog bark when they use a blender? Uh, (laughs) Mine don't. They're used to it by now. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Do you have anything you want to let people know? Um, Maybe, is there any... I mean, I know things are up and down and back and forth, but how are... um, are y'all open or only doing to go at um, Ben Paris or, or what's going we on are, there? We, we are open. We are open. We have a limited service from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. every night. Uh, we're doing dine-in service. We're at 50% capacity. I have been in charge of COVID-19 operations, and I have been keeping it very, very strict. I have used a template from friends of mine in New Orleans who reopened and from um, – Black Sheep, the Hong Kong restaurant group, put out this amazingly thorough, like, this is what we're doing to keep our staff and our customers safe, kind of guide to COVID. And I have been following that. Plus, I'm lucky to live in a state where we take this very, very seriously. And um, everyone comes in masked. And there's a very respectful kind of feel to the people that come in uh, to dine with us. We have our tables set up six feet apart. We have Um, some outdoor seating available. It is all um, done with very thought and care and really still giving people an amazing experience. I've got new cocktails on the menu. Um, Chef is cooking some of the best food he's ever cooked. It's actually a very, very interesting time. And while it's, you know, not like it used to be, um, walking to a table with a mask and having no silverware and nothing on the table, the service is very different, but it's all done with safety in mind. So it's, it's a very interesting time. We're still doing takeout as well. uh, But that really has, that business has kind of fallen off. People are anxious to get back and, and I'm anxious to be of service again. So it's kind of nice. I'm glad to hear that. And the weather here is just perfect right now. I mean, this is, these are the glory days. The sun doesn't set until after nine o'clock. The sunsets are gorgeous. The weather is, is cool and, and warm during the day and cool at night just 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 perfect well you know what it's like here perfection (laughs) i do and i'm so sorry it's like you i know it's like hard to breathe you cut the air with a knife it's like walking on the surface of the sun you go outside and you get a facial um so i guess that's good you know like all of that humidity is good for the skin um, so I, it is. I miss my gator skin. <laughs> I have to coat myself in oil every night before bed to make sure I keep my swamp like con, um, <laughs> condition on my skin. <laughs> uh, so if you are in Seattle, go, uh, go see Abigail and, um, wherever you are, uh, if you are able to go out and you feel comfortable doing so, um, then 
please mask up for the safety of those around you, even if you don't care mm-hmm. about your own safety. And secondly, if you can't or don't feel able to go out, you can still do takeout and support all of our restaurants and bars. And whatever you do, tip generously. Very generously. Yes. yes. We're all working so hard. If you are a fan of the podcast, please uh, rate and review us on Apple or wherever it is that you can rate and review us. Tell anyone that you know that you are a fan because that is the best way for people to find us. And, um, and we certainly appreciate when you do. We do. We love you. We love you so much. We <laughs> hope you're safe and well. Um, so we will see, well, I guess we will see you, whatever, you know what I mean. Um, we will be back, uh, after Labor Day. I hope everyone has a fantastic summer and, uh, cheers y'all. Cheers. Cheers.